they took me out to some lonesome place. They said, do you believe in the great white race? I said, Misty, to tell you the truth, I'd believe in anything if you just turned me loose. The white man said, boy, can it be you are standing there assassinating me? They hit me in the head and knocked me down. And then they kicked me on the ground. A clansman said, listen, look me in the face and tell me you believe in the great white race. Hi guys, it's your girl Boonie and you're listening to episode 25 of the Boonie Breakdown podcast. That clip you just heard was the poem Ku Klux Klan by one of my favorite poets, Langston Hughes. And I thought surrounding the events that happened here in America, in Charlottesville, Virginia this past weekend, I could not move forward with my original planned podcast for this episode. So I scrambled uh, pretty much all day on Sunday trying to come up with what I thought would be a suitable episode um, to address what we all watched unfold. And it also kind of sparked this episode a bit because one of my dear friends is in Charlottesville for work this week. And I will be going there this weekend to hang out with her um, to take in some of the attractions down there. And so I just was like, okay, it's on my heart. The cards aligned. Um, I am sick of every time something like this happens, uh, the rhetoric that we see. And I'm sure I'm not alone. And as I'm still processing my thoughts surrounding this, I thought it would be interesting to see how those around me uh, or in my network, some of these people I'm not even friends with, you know, but I reached out to them to see what their thoughts were surrounding what we saw. And if you have been living under a rock, you um, did see the blatant uh, act of white supremacy and Nazis um, just completely take over the town of Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, and we, we saw a video recording of a white supremacist kill an innocent protester in broad daylight, in broad daylight. And we still see the media coddling uh, these white supremacists and saying, oh, lone uh, attacker, uh, driver of car, like call them what they are. They are racist. They are white supremacists. And what's, what has been even more baffling to me was kind of the shock. <laughs> like, how can you be shocked? Because this is America. People are like, oh, how could this happen now? How could this be happening in 2017? Well, because it happened in 1619 and it happened in 1772 and it happened in 1863 and it happened in 1965. Like, this is America's history. So how can you be surprised that it's still happening in 2017 when we never, ever address this issue. So this is going to be a little different podcast um, that you're used to. I'm not going to do any of my normal spiel, but I do want to play some clips and get some feedback 
about how others viewed this. And I'm going to be honest. Um, I know I'm still receiving a few clips and I'm deciding if I'm going to put them in. But I reached out to a broad range of people, black and white, a few Hispanics. And um, I just wanted to see what they thought. And I have to be honest that I am disappointed. (laughs) Why? I don't know. But I am disappointed that I reached out to a handful of white women. Uh, Some I know not well, but I know them. We've crossed paths in our life and none of them responded. And I think it goes to, you know, we've been seeing this rhetoric going around after the election, you know, that 53 percent of white women voted for Trump. (laughs) after we saw the post and them exclaiming oh how dare him talk about grabbing women's pussies and all of this shit but then they went into that that voting booth and in their own private moment 53 percent of white women who voted voted for donald trump and so i wanted to give them a chance to respond and only one person responded out of the dozen that i'm (laughs) i messaged and so I, I, you know, take that for how you want. I know how I take it because I do think white women in this conversation, and it's an uncomfortable conversation, but in this conversation that we want to have about race and how we want to address things, they straddle the fence a lot and they get to skirt under without getting any sort of acknowledgement in the role that they play in race relations in this country. So with that being said, we're going to move in to some segments um, and we're going to get some feedback from some people who are not Boonie, who are not me. So I really hope that you enjoy this honest conversation. I hope that you can use this tool to spark conversation with people that you may know, um, because we have to talk about the ugly stain of America. It's no way to get better unless we address what is happening. Last week on Facebook, I joked that I had PTSD um, because every time I see someone in a red hat with white lettering from afar, I get so angry. Because I just assume that hat says, make America great again. And I instantly get tense. I instantly get angry. And for me, the events that happened in Charlottesville are direct correlation to that slogan. And I'm going to stop calling it a slogan because it was a rally call to these people who have been waiting waiting for the moment and waiting for someone to get them and help them take back their country and make America great again had the, I mean, it was probably the most racist (laughs) political in your face slogan that I've seen in my lifetime, any political candidate use. And so, so many people loved everything that that statement stood for And so for me, it is not shocking that these things have happened. Um, You know, the influx that we've seen since the, the election day, because Make America Great Again was the rally call that they had been waiting for. 
I wish I could say that I was surprised by what happened in Charlottesville, but I'm not. You know, sadly, 45 has been spewing his rhetoric for the last year or so, and, you know, these people have been emboldened by, you know, the leader of the free world, and it's really sad that um, we're still dealing with this so many years later. I mean, unfortunately, it's what our country was built off of. Um, the response to it, you know, not being, you know, they're not taking it seriously. Um, and it's really sad. I, I have somewhat detached myself from the news or the things that comes out of the administration because they're full of it. They're ridiculous. And we got to do better. I didn't even say we, they have to do better. It's not us. It is them. I don't even know. I don't have much else to give on it. Beyond being sickened of this weekend's activities at UVA, my reaction is, damn, white privilege must be nice. If the shoe was on the other foot and African-Americans were marching down the street with tiki torches in their hand, chanting Black Lives Matter, huh, we would be hosed down jailed, beat up, everything. But these white men are going back to their jobs on Monday, safe and secure. Only one man got arrested from my knowledge. And it's just a shame, but the hate is spewing from the top down. So what do we expect? By now, we've all seen the clips and we to hear the protests that happened on UVA's campus where they were chanting, you will not replace us. Jews will not replace us. Uh, white lives matter, anti-white and whatever other bullshit they were saying. But to me, what was so <laughs> astonishing was all of a sudden the all lives matter crowd lost their vocal cords. Uh, whenever there was a protest for the Black Lives Matter movement, you you saw the, the people with their capes, all lives matter. How dare you say black lives only matter? And nowhere in the slogan did I see it say black lives matter only or only black lives matter. It was just a definitive statement that says black life matters. And here they came with their protest signs and they always wanted to say all lives matter. But here we have a group of people only exclaiming that white lives matter. And I have not seen one all lives matter post at all. Like, not one. What happened to that crowd? And it's so fascinating to watch these play out. Every time there's some incident, we see the discrepancies between the treatment of black and brown people versus white people in this country. And it's like, when is it going to stop? The fact that people thought that this disgusting and despicable human being represented the interests of most uh, Americans um, was shocking. And, you know, these people now feel emboldened. They feel entitled. They feel like, you know, they have a spokesman in the White House. And so now that he's there and did not provide an adequate uh, response to yesterday's um, terrorist attacks, in Charlottesville, 
it's not shocking. He is who he has always been, even before he became president and he sparked the uh, birther movement with President Obama. Nothing is shocking about him or his administration. Um, it's very clear that he does not represent the American people. And so, you know, I find it shocking that people are still shocked um, that these, this kind of person and these kind of people exist. Um, as a black woman living in the United States, you know, I've always been aware um, that there have obviously been racial issues and tensions in this country, but even more so now with Trump becoming president, you know, these people have a voice and uh, it's unfortunate and it's sad. The world is now aware that America is not who they thought we were. Um, America, you know, has its reputation around the world for being a place of uh, great opportunities, which we are, but we are also a nation built on lies and deceit and blood, sweat and tears of immigrants. And it's unfortunate that, you know, we have not progressed uh, far from that, quite frankly. Um, we are still living in dangerous times and, um, that has become very clear since the election of Donald Trump. Races consistently and probably forevermore. We've accepted that and we know what it is. But the people that are sitting on Facebook saying this is not us or they're shocked that other white people would feel this way or be racist or would feel this way towards black people or Jews have been basically neglecting everything that we've been saying since social media has existed even before social media existed we've been telling people consistently hey we deal with these events on a consistent basis every day there are black people there are jews asians that deal with racism on a consistent basis and you guys have turned a blind eye to basically say oh you know, I would never do this. So none of my other white, you know, counterparts would ever do this. Don't don't be oblivious anymore. You know, it's unacceptable at this point. It was unacceptable before. And, you know, excuses are tools of incompetent people. And basically, that's kind of what you're showing yourselves to be as of right now. Some of the things that I thought when reading the coverage of what happened in Charlottesville was having to come to terms with the fact that I myself was incredibly naive to the fact that this type of racism exists. And that naivete comes from my own privilege that I was born into. Um, you know, as a white woman, I always considered myself to be woke. Um, but when I see things like this and I see the lack of shame that these people exhibit, not wearing hoods, I, I think that was what was most shocking to me is as someone who never experienced racism firsthand and, you know, didn't grow up with a lot of people of color and therefore wasn't having the type of conversations that would have woken me up out of my, uh, you know, <laughs> naive outlook on the world. It was terrifying to me to see that these people were not shameful. I at least thought that, you know, if there were people who were still this racist, they were at least 
ashamed of it and wanted to hide it. And the fact that these people were marching the streets and didn't care that people could see how hateful they were just pointed out to me how little I know about the world. And part of that is because I was privileged enough to get to wear blinders to it for most of my life. In that last clip, Lauren just acknowledged her white privilege by saying she had the benefit of doubt to wear blinders for most of her life because she did not experience these things. And I think that is where I struggle with wanting white people to step up in this conversation. Um, I think part of it is that they have been so blind and they do have a level of privilege that some of them can acknowledge it like Lauren, but some of them choose to still step in and live in their privilege and make it seem like we're making this up. <laughs> that all of this is a figment of our imagination. There aren't racist police. There aren't racist judges. There aren't racist um, people in this society. But those same people who were walking the streets of Charlotte have jobs. <laughs> they work somewhere. They live somewhere. And so I don't think they're going to learn um, how race plays a role or racism, I should say, plays a role in the everyday life of many black and brown people in this country because they just don't get it. And so to acknowledge that you have been a, been a, a benefactor of your white privilege for your entire life, I appreciate that. <laughs> because there are some people who walk around and who will never in their life acknowledge that they have had an upper hand. And I'm not going to take credit for this, but I saw this floating around on the internet today. And it said, when you're accustomed to privilege, equality feels like discrimination. I'm going to be honest and say that there is a pre-election Ashley and then there is post-election Ashley. Pre-election Ashley was naive and had hope and thought that America was moving in the right direction with the election of its first black president. Um, and post-election Ashley, post-Donald Trump election Ashley is no longer naive. And I am very aware that we are a nation built on the blood, sweat, and tears and the backs of people who may or may not have asked to be here. Um, and so post-election Ashley is very um, apathetic. I'm apathetic and... I have to say that I'm not surprised by the events that took place in Charlottesville um, this weekend. And I have to say I'm not surprised for a couple of reasons. One, I do remember in May reading a Facebook post from a black farmer who lives in Charlottesville. And um, he talked about seeing then a protest about the removal of the statute that was, I guess, kind of small. It virtually went unnoticed. And I, my takeaway from his post was that it was a virtual ticking time bomb in Charlottesville based on the amount of racism and racial profiling that occurred there. The second reason why I'm not surprised is because I feel like the individuals who participated in that rally this weekend are Trump supporters. And they've been watching Trump's moves. They've been seeing, you know, do we feel empowered enough to go ahead, take this action, and know that we pretty much will have no repercussions. 
And this is the point where they say, you know what? We feel, we feel that. We feel that we can go out here. We can get our tiki torches from wherever we bought them from, the home and garden section. We can go out here with hate. We can act in a hateful manner. We can strongly send our message. And nobody will treat us the way that they treat black people. Because we're better than black people. And the response from the White House, the response from the police has corroborated that. It has. Because it pretty much sends the message that black people can gather with the intent of love and be treated terribly. Like they're less than citizens of this country. But white people can gather with the intent of hate. And be given chance after chance. Be given privilege. And that's where we are in this country. And I think more events like this are going to continue to happen until we accept and acknowledge that racism is still alive and well in this country all these years later. This is Mo. And am I surprised at all about the events of yesterday? Absolutely not. I think this is just the beginning. I firmly believe that... Events like this will continue to happen, that the alt-right rhetoric will get even more strong and defensive. I also think that crimes like protesters being run over, um, possibly being shot at, and um, who knows, kidnapping threats, that will continue to happen. The President's response, not surprised by that at all. Um, He will continue to dog whistle the alt-right and the media will continue to label white men as protesters for the alt-right as ralliers and not rioters. Um, And we'll continue to have a, a civil police response towards them as opposed to police showing up in riot gear the same way they would for groups like Black Lives Matter. So I think this is just the beginning. I don't see any constructive change um, happening anytime soon. And so we should just prepare ourselves for more of this kind of thing to continue. We will continue to see these things happen. And I agree with these statements. I don't feel like we've reached this tipping point. And I think people like to live in this bubble to think that these uh, events and racism just started developing after the civil rights movement. And we forget the hundreds and hundreds of years of history um, that America has that has gotten us to this point. And I think it's interesting, you know, we keep labeling, you know, them Nazis. And yes, they're a very anti-Semitic rhetoric that was displayed with the swastikas and things. But let's not act like America learned this behavior from the Germans and the Nazis uh, during the Holocaust. Um, America had a very barbaric a brutal, racist uh, society when they enslaved hundreds of black people. And so (laughs) this wasn't something we learned in this century that was just taught to us and, oh, we picked it up and now, you know, this is what we have. This is hundreds of years of systemic issues. And I don't understand how people expect us to change or to move beyond it 
uh, when we still have people who feel like something is being taken away from them, but they have had the upper advantage for hundreds and hundreds of years in this country. Uh, so I do agree. I, I don't think this was a tipping point, um, even though we did witness a U.S. citizen being killed in America in broad daylight by a Nazi, uh, you know, this is absurd. This is absurd. And I still don't think it's absurd enough or tragic enough for people to wake up and want to truly see change. Hey, Adrian. I'm going to try to quickly share with you my perspective as a 46-year-old white male raising three teenage boys today in America. Uh, yesterday's events did not surprise me at all. Uh, I saw a uh, picture circulating on the Internet where it showed uh, pictures of the, um, the alt-right protesters yesterday and then it said co-worker and fireman or something like that basically saying these are people that you exist with every day in society and the reality is that is true i have uh, noticed unfortunately over the years that racism still exists more than we realize with co-workers uh, with family members uh, i still hear racial jokes from time to time uh, it is disturbing but the reality is it doesn't surprise me uh, we live in very turbulent times this is a time of transition I do think as a country and a society, we have made marked progress over the last 200 years. There's no doubt we've made progress. Uh, but the reality is we are in a bumpy uh, transition right now. I think in another 25 to 50 years, things will be markedly improved because as I look at my family, I'm better than my father was. My three boys are better than I am. And I think each successive generation, things will improve. We are not um, a homogenous society like China or Japan or Denmark. We are a grand experiment with multiple cultures and races. And as such, there's just going to be, unfortunately, times like yesterday. Uh, but I do think things will continue to get better. I really do. Uh, but I hate to admit it, but yes, it exists. And unfortunately, because it exists more than we realize, uh, things like yesterday will continue to happen. This is my 20th take. I'm trying to gather my thoughts, trying to put into words my feelings, and it's something that I just can't do. Um, as a black man in corporate America, a black business owner, I struggle with trying not to see color and not always use that as something that I'm thinking about. You know, is this white man sitting across from me, someone who is envious of me or doesn't view me as the same as he is? Or is this white man a potential customer? Or does he not want to support a black man trying to make something of himself? So when I seen the images yesterday in Charlottesville, it honestly left me speechless because I don't know where to start. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to respond. I don't know if I'm angry, if I'm upset, if I'm indifferent because I've always known this because I do know my history. So with this being my 20th or I don't know, maybe 30th time trying to record my feelings, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to respond. So this is the best that I can give you in response to ignorance. As the debacle unfolded in Charlottesville, 
I sat by the television and asked the question, so are you woke now? Days before, 45 boldly tweeted, we're locked and loaded for North Korea. But I can't help but to think they've been locked and loaded on us for a long time now. Our cars can't break down. We can't become corner store entrepreneurs or even buy our favorite snacks from the local corner store without those same locked and loaded guns shooting us down like the foreign enemies we claim to be at war with. This demonstration that was allowed to go on and threaten and claim the lives of innocent people was conveniently described as a protest instead of what it was an act of domestic terrorism. But we're not surprised at all, those of us who are woke. This was just a visual representation of how they felt for us for a long time. But we're supposed to ignore and passively stand tall, sing the national anthem, recite the Pledge of Allegiance, when we know that this is certainly not our country. And to add insult to injury, the first we hear from the White House is a plagiarized tweet from Melania. Just simply pathetic. As an educator, I find it baffling that we have the least intelligent people running our country. But again, this is America, the land of opportunity. So what now? This headline ring, rings and runs across the news stations for a couple of days. We angrily Facebook post and tweet, and then it all goes away. Distracted by some other egregious event. Reality must make us think a little harder this time. Charlottesville was just the beginning of a domestic war of the races. Get ready. Most of the people we've heard from so far on this episode are black. And I do appreciate uh, the, the two white people who were, you know, able to f respond and wanted to engage in this conversation to give their points of view. And um, I just kind of feel like if everyone knows that this is going to keep happening, what is it going to take for it to stop happening? And right now we have legit white supremacists, supporters and sympathizers in the White House. And this is not new. Uh, white supremacists have been in positions of power in this country for centuries. And so now it's gone back to where it's blatant. It's no secret. It's no hidden agenda. We know they're there and we know what their intent is. And so it's like, what is it going to take for us to turn the corner? Will America ever turn the corner? Will we ever not be surprised? And I always love in these conversations when people highlight the differences, you always, it's always thrown back in black people's face. You know, you should be more like Martin Luther King, the peaceful protest, the peaceful protest. And it's laughable because Martin Luther King was killed. Like, <laughs> it wasn't, uh, people did not like Martin Luther King's tactics in his time. But he's always thrown around as the symbol for black people to have respectability and to not upset the white folk. And it's just laughable at this point. And I'm always reminded of his quote um, from his letter in, that he wrote while in the Birmingham jail. 
And the quote says, I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that in the Negro's great stumbling block in the stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klanner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice. Quite honestly, I'm not surprised at the events in Charlottesville. As a historian and as a person that pays attention to the news, um, we knew that this was coming at some point. Um, I think that what people of color have to do is that we actually need to stop being surprised by this administration, stop being surprised by the actions of white supremacists. And the moment that we stop being surprised, we can move forward and we can prepare ourselves for whatever is to come. We have to be more awake. We have to be more conscious of these events. And we have to stop thinking that these events only happen in southern cities. This could happen anywhere. And we have to figure out what it is that we're going to do when these events happen. And we also have to empower ourselves. We got to get it together. We cannot be surprised by this foolishness. And we can no longer wait until it's last minute. Wait until these events happen and now we want to respond. Now all of a sudden everybody is conscious. Everybody is awake. But we can't wait for that moment. We can't wait until things bubble up and boil over. It's time to be awake now. Actually, it's been time to be awake years ago. Hey, Booney Breakdown. So to answer the question, am I surprised by the alternate rights, since that's what we're calling it, movement, this in Charlottesville this Saturday, the media coverage and the administration's response? Absolutely not. I think we folks forget that in November 2016, Richard Spencer, the chairman of the National Policy Institute, immediately held a conference with, you know, certain type of racial undertones very openly in Washington, D.C. So these people feel comfortable now to come out. And so, you know, I've been saying, why are we surprised? What's done in the dark is now being done in the light. And to be honest, it really hasn't been done in the dark. I mean, if we look back at the last five to six years, these are all instances of folks who are racially motivated to come forth and be open. And now that they have a leader who has surrounded themselves by similar people in his administration, which of course runs our nation government, they feel comfortable. They don't have to be scared anymore. They don't have to hide. So one, we shouldn't be surprised by the administration's message at all because, you know, what did, what did you expect him to say? These are the people who are funding super PACs. These are the people who are purchasing the highest amount of tickets to his fundraisers. And as far as the media go, it's unfortunate, but we live in a clickbait world where clicks derive money. So I suggest for everyone to follow the money. If you really want to be supportive, find a super PAC or a PAC, a political action committee that you can support. Get inside your communities and teach some grassroots lessons to you know folks who aren't necessarily as educated about how our government operates, how the election process is, because it's going to take all of us to come together in strength and numbers to combat what's soon to come. I love the commentary in both of those two clips because they both ended on a note of what we can all personally do, what actions we can take to ensure that we protect our democracy at least, and we can thwart off some of the uh, 
the intentions of our political leaders who may support some of these white supremacist uh, beliefs and ideals. And so both of them have given action items that one, we need to get ready and stop being shocked when things like this happen. And two, as the one person mentioned, um, not, (laughs) you know, not being active in the political process and helping educate others who may not know how these things work. You know, one of the things that I am curious about is in our elections moving forward. We saw some of the tactics in this past election that the GOP took to to disenfranchise many black and brown people and poor people and immigrants uh, in this country. And you have gerrymandering and they're redistricting and they're doing voter ID laws and making all of these new requirements to vote that have never been there before. And so when you disenfranchise a portion of the population, uh, of course, what does that leave you? The people who will support you. And so I think we do need to strategize and take actions on things to protect our own interests and protect our own communities. I do not think it is um, the place of minorities, black and brown people, to be the ones to dismantle racism. It's not our place. (laughs) We don't benefit from it, but we can do things to protect the liberties that we do have and to encourage those around us to be uh, inspired, to be motivated in order to protect those liberties as well. When I saw the white men, I thought this is proof that white privilege and white supremacy are ruining everyone. These men are so weak and soft Centuries of supremacy have led them to believe they are owed respect, honor, wealth, and success, whatever. They reject having to work for it and compete against people of color and immigrants. Plus, having a black man in the White House set in motion their realization that they are less than and might not be competent to keep up. I was not surprised to see what happened Friday in Charlottesville. When history has been whitewashed for so long, a true sense of self-ignorance emerges. It's like a pimple erupting. It's going to leave a scar. And it really is only up to white America right now to try to help teach what our history really is. My favorite poet, Langston Hughes, wrote the poem, Let America Be America Again. And I think it is a fitting way to close out this podcast. Let America be America again. Let it be the dream it used to be. Let it be the pioneer on the plain, seeking a home where he himself is free. America never was America to me. Let America be the dream the dreamers dreamed. Let it be the great strong land of love, where never kings convene nor tyrants scheme that any man be crushed by one above. It was a never America to me. Oh, let my land be a land where liberty is crowned with no false patriotic wreath, but opportunity is real and life is free. Equality is in the air we breathe. There's never been equality for me, nor freedom in this homeland of the free. I am the poor white fooled and pushed apart. I am the Negro bearing slavery scars. I am the red man driven from the land. I am the immigrant clutching the hope I seek. 
and finding the same old stupid plan of dog eat dog of mighty crush the weak. I am the young man full of strength and hope tangled in the ancient endless chain of profit, power, gain of grab the land of grab the gold of grab the ways of satisfying need of work the men of take the pay of owning everything for one's own greed. I am the farmer bondsman to the soil. I am the worker sold the machine. I am the Negro servant to you all. I am the people humble, hungry, mean, hungry, yet today spite the dream, beaten yet today, O oh pioneers. I am the man who never got ahead, the poorest worker bartered through the years. Yet I'm the one who dreamt our basic dream in the old world while still a surf of kings, who dreamt a dream so strong, so brave, so true, that even yet its mighty daring sings. In every brick and stone, in every furrow turned, that made America the land it has become. Oh, I am the man who sailed those early seas in search of what I meant to be my home. For I'm the one who left dark Ireland's shore and Poland's plain and England's grassy lee. And tore from black Africa's strand I come to build a homeland of the free. The free? Who said the free? Not me. Surely not me. The millions on relief today? The millions shot down when we strike? The millions who have nothing for our pay? For all the dreams we've dreamed, all the songs we've sung, all the hopes we've held, all the flags we've hung? The millions who have nothing for our pay? except the dream that almost dead today. Oh, let America be America again, the land that has never been yet and yet must be, the land where every man is free, the land that's mine, the poor man's, Indians, Negroes, me. Who made America? Who's sweat and blood? Who's faith in pain? Who's hand at the foundry? Who's plow in the rain? Must bring back our mighty dream again. Sure, call me any ugly name you choose. The steel of freedom does not stain. For those who live like leashes on people's lives, we must take back our land again, America. Oh, yes, I say it plain. America was never America to me. And yet I swear this oath, America will be. Out of the rack and ruin of our gangster death, the rape and rot of graft and stealth and lies, we the people must redeem the land, the mines, the plants, the rivers, the mountains and the endless plain. All, all the stretch of these great green states and make America again. I want to thank you guys for listening to this first season of the Booney Breakdown podcast. Just a reminder, we'll be away for a few weeks and we will be back after Labor Day. So until next time.